morning. How are you doing? Beautiful day. These bonus days, aren't they? We're making up. Remember in school, you made up. You had snow days. You made up. This is sunny days. We make up from June. Remember, there was no there was no sun. Now we get it. I love October. I didn't thought it would be in shorts on October first. You know, at a baseball game, it's pretty. It's pretty fun. So we're enjoying what we get uh, this day. An opportunity. If you're online, great to have you today. Uh, this is week two, actually starting our, our series last week on Genesis. So if you're new with us or just kind of catching up a little bit, uh, we started with giving out some great booklets here. We kind of do this throughout the last few years, a few seasons of the year here at North Bay where we kind of a three-pronged, three-legged stool where of, of discipleship where we get involved in a, in a teaching series, which we're doing through Genesis, but we start with a growth guide. It's an individual booklet that we created that uh, Jill uh, Winfield put this beautiful artwork together and, and, and it's right in our booklets and it's just beautiful booklet here that's not just to look at and, and so this is nice but actually do something with it. It's a, it's a growth guide. So the idea is you we read scripture uh, throughout the week and so hopefully this last week you were able to read Genesis 3 and 4 and then next week uh, coming up here is reading Genesis 5 through 9 and, and just so you warn you a little bit more reading is going to be added as the weeks go on, so be prepared for that, because we're encouraging people in the Word individually, and you can write out, start with your head and what you're learning, and your, and your heart, and your, and your actions through your hands and what you're doing, and, and then coming on Sunday, some of you this morning, you're, you're going to wonder, where is he going to go with Genesis 3 and 4, and we'll be doing that here in a moment, and then you go and you discuss it in your small group, and so you have growth guides gathering here on Sunday morning and, and, and involved in, in a small group. Uh, throughout the week and if you're not in a small group we hope that you would get involved and so just find someone with the tag and they'll get you connected this week if you didn't get a book there's some on the way out so this is a very exciting series that we're doing part of that I love our new small group we had a great discussion uh, last week and I hope you can do that with your group um, so today we're going to kind of go well back to the beginning the whole idea of this is where it all began if you're wondering where you are in the world and what's happening and why we can point back to Genesis and in, in the beginning which we started with the last week which was a great first week start we talked about how God is not just like created but he's a creative creator and how he forms things like like art is and and the work and the and the, and the efforts that he put in to create his creation and though he spoke it with his word it, he, he did it in a masterful job and he and he would step back from it from his each of his days and he would go wow this is good he wasn't bragging or anything he was just in he was just in, in, he was involved in his creation wow this is good and then he stepped back even further when he created man he said it's, it's very good very good and this gift of life that he gave us and and as we ended up last week we talked about that it the gift came with condition the condition is this choice. What are we going to do with the gift? You might have heard this phrase before. Your life is a gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to God. What's this gift that he has? And this is what he said. This amazing gift of free will. This, he, it came with conditions with the command. He says the Lord God commanded man, you are, to, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, if you will, if you, I'm sorry, when you eat from it, if you will, you will certainly die. 
you will die. This, this is the condition. If you do this, this is what will happen. Well, what ended up doing? Well, we know. Man, we're, we're living it. <laughs> what happened? And the consequence is there. But we need to go back to where it all began because I want to ask the question, why? Why did they do what they did that we're going to look at what they, do, they did here in the moment? Well, I'm going to ask the question with the question. And here's the question is, where are you? Where are you? So, so today, I want to focus on where are you? And, and this is a question that God asks that we're going to look at here in a moment. But where are you? Last week we talked about being lost, that loss isn't just a location, it's actually a condition. But we've been there before, we've been lost before. I don't know what you've used, you, I, and this is for people that are under maybe 25, 30 years old. Has any, some of you younger people, you don't know what this is, do you? There's a thing called, there's a thing called GPS that we have, and you're like, oh, I just look on my phone. Yeah, there was a day we did not have that. And so we were lost a lot, right? We, we asked for directions, and we, some of us men didn't want to do that. I'm going to pull, you need to pull over. And then my mom and dad would have little arguments about, I don't, I know where I'm going. You really know where you're going, Chuck? I'm not sure you, you understand. And so then my mom, I mean, she would pull out the map. And, and so we would pull it out, and, and then, you know, now you got the map and everything, you have it. And then do you remember having to try to fold it? This is what it looked like in your glove box. You know, I got the map right here. And then you're trying to, how does this go? Like that. And then that's full right there, right? So my wife's like, yeah, you don't fold the towels at home at all. So, But my mom and dad, some of the probably, you know, we had a camper. And so it was, I was an only child. So we had the camper and a pickup truck. And I sat in the middle, literally kind of like, you know, like in between their arguments and things. There was this argument about, like, what the next exit was, right? And so the next exit or this exit, that was a conversation. So my dad would miss the exit that my mom's saying is the, is the next exit. I thought you meant the next exit, not this exit. And so we had this and next conversation about, you know, about where we're going. And we're just lost and we're trying to find a way. And then my mom's pulling out the map and everything. Well, the problem with a map, this is very obvious, is the map, it, it does nothing for you if you don't know where you're at, right? So you know where you want to be, right? You, you might remember there was a day there, oh, what were they called? Malls. You remember the malls? And there was a place, and you go to a place, and you didn't, you were like looking for a certain store, and you would, it was beautiful because they would put a big star and say, you are here. I'm like, oh, I've got a place it doesn't matter. You don't understand where you're going unless you know where you, your starting point is. You've got to go where it all began. Where you are is right where you are, but you don't know where you are on this earth, and you've got to figure that out. And I think that's for us truly in our, in our lives, in our, not just in our travel. I, I, I've come to this conclusion. I, you probably experienced this, that our, our, our decisions determine our destination. Our decisions determine our destination. The decisions that we make today will affect tomorrow. We know this already. But yet, we get so caught up in where we're going, we miss understanding even where we're at. And really, the condition of where we're at. God asked this question we're going to get to here in a moment. Where are you? That's something to think about for you this morning. Where, where are you? Where, where, where are you in your life? And so, here, so God says, this is good. And he calls us very good. And then a short time longer, we get into the end of the creation. The Lord go, God goes, it's not good 
for man to be alone, right? It's not good for man to be alone. Every single woman in this room, as well as watching online, know that is true. And even us guys would admit that. It is not good for us to be alone. Now, an afternoon, fine. We can watch a game. We can hang out. We can do some things. At some point, we're going to... It's not good. It's not good. And I find it's interesting here that God, God is coming along and he's saying, okay, good, 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 not good. What are we going to do with this? And it's interesting in the Hebrew. I think it's hilarious. In the Hebrew, the word for man, when you read in it, if you're reading Hebrew... It's Adam, which we get the word Adam from. But it literally means this, lowly, blood-flowing dirt creature. <laughs> Did you know that? That, that word, lowly, lowly blood-flowing dirt creature. So, you know, God shaped man, he breathed life into me, you know, and create, so you get the idea of that. But I think that's just the, that's the ultimate insult to a guy, right? To call that, you know, imagine going to a bar, and, you know, and hey, you lowly, you know, blood-flowing dirt creature, how the heck are you, Right? And that's kind of how man alone functions, right? There's a, lot, there's a lesser version of a, of a person when that happens. And God's like, this can't be. We've got to do something. We've got to fix this. And he it says this. I, that, that he, God says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay? Suitable for him. Like, I'm seeing the animals are paired up, and they each have their own partner. And he's like, wait a second. Something's not right. So God... God gives Adam a, a, some anesthesia, does some surgery, removes a, a rib from him. And, and what you say, there was an upgraded version of man. And, 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 you know, the oldest dad joke in the world, here it is. He stands before, the, it really, Scripture says, when Adam saw the, saw the woman, he went, whoa, man. And we all groan, right? The, the oldest dad joke in the world. But really, this is what he says. Is that the man said, there is, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman, for she was taken from man. Eve's role here is this helpmate. And, and so, be, ladies, before you throw anything at me about that, what that is, like I'm supposed to serve the man and do all that, here's what it is. That it literally means helper means surrounder, which is not, not an English word, protector. Protector of the man. What is, he, what is, what is she protecting him? Where does she come from? The rib. Protector of of man's heart. Now you're thinking like, wait a second, I thought the man was the protector. Well, on the outside, sure. But actually, the, the work of, of a woman is in, in relationship and a husband is to protect the heart. Why? Because men have fragile egos. We, ha we are about conquering. We're about trying to achieve things. And we're out there as you know, lowly blood-flowing dirt creatures in the world. And so we need help with that. So it's a beautiful team effort. That tough on the outside, you know, you know, struggling on the inside. And so here's this nuance of Scripture. It's kind of interesting because when we get into the end of chapter 2, the word, when, it, when woman comes on the scene and this coming together, which we look in verse 24 for the first time, it says that is why a man leaves his father and mother and then, and then they'll be united to his wife and they become one flesh. In verse 24, the word man here is changed in the Hebrew to the word ish, which means champion. It means mighty warrior. You know, lowly, blood-flowing dirt creature to mighty warrior. What's God saying? There's a, there's a work he's bringing together. And so the work you know, of a woman here is in the helpmate of, with, a, with a wife is to 
be a, a champion maker, to encourage, to, to give work to their husbands. And can I tell you that that's the role of a mom too, right? Is to speak life into the, to their sons that one day that, that would be passed on to the, to the wife's work to do that. It's not that we're, we're us guys don't have any, you know, backbone or anything. No, we're, we could be really strong in backbone. We could be really strong on the outside, but there's this, this work on the inside. And so this, this team effort that goes goes involved in here and so i love the math that god has for us here it's one plus one equals one is the is how it works the 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 two will become one flesh and so i love how creation finishes that adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame there was nothing between them there was they're they're completely vulnerable and there was there was trust that was built there was no insecurity well this oneness is broken why because decisions will end up determining your destination and there's a drift that takes place and so this morning as you're here you're watching online and you're asking the question why why are we where we're at how did we get here how did we end up over here over here what what took place why the pro the pain why the brokenness in the world why the injustice why is there continual loss this this last week our our community is embracing a loss uh, uh, Bob Bray, Bob was and Martha, they've been part of our church these last couple years and they just recently moved back to Bellingham Bob is riding his motorcycle Saturday before last heading back from a, a, a great run with a, a bunch of friends and he's just sitting in a stoplight and he's, he's mowed down by another motorcyclist and he's killed 64 years old I mean, you know, remember Bob like it just, it doesn't make sense like, really, God? He just, he just retired, had these, this whole new chapter of his life with his wife and his, and his kids and his grandchildren. And there's a service. We'll have a service to celebrate his life on the 13th at CTK Bellingham. And you're welcome to come at 3 o'clock if you know Bob and to be a part of that. I think it would be really great. And uh, Martha knows, as I talked with her the other day. She knows there's a church here. She calls us her, our, her COVID church uh, here out in the Bay that we're praying for and encouraging her. But, man... Why? Why, why, why? It all stems back to we go to Genesis 3. There were issued to the greatest issue of mankind, and that was, was sin entered the world. And you know, in our, in our world today, sin is such a cultural reject word, right? People don't even want to talk about sin. Sin, they don't even have a context for it. And yet, we cannot deny the effects of sin. And so, as we get into this downfall, if we get into this decisions that were made that just caused so much havoc in our life i want to get under it a little bit for you and i to look at some some temptations some traits of temptations that we also have to be careful about and subject ourselves to in this fallen broken world that we already actually we already live in and so i want to do that and the first fill-in you can put in here today if you're taking notes encourage you to do that you can use that and you can be really smart in your small group because oh what are you talking about you're keep keeping track of it but it can actually contribute to your conversations you have this week and for yourself is this first is it's a there's a distrusting of god by doubting his goodness one of the things of temptation is there is this distrusting of god by doubting his goodness there's this erosion of trust that happens at the very beginning here It says in verse 1, chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord had made. The serpent, I think we can all agree, most scholars, a.k.a. Satan, he says to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 
Now, we just read here a minute ago, I hope you picked up, going, that's a lie right at the beginning, because Eve even catches it. This is what she corrects, him, corrects the serpent, and the, the woman said to the serpent, we must, we must eat from, uh, from the trees in the garden, but God said you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and then listen to what she does. She adds something. She says, and, and you must not touch it or you will die. God didn't mention that. She put that in there. She goes, I'm not even going to eat it. I'm not even going to touch it. I'm staying away from it. It was a good movie. You're, you're, you're learning some boundaries for your life. Well, it didn't help too much, but uh, suddenly this, the, there's this lie, and, the, and, that, and, the, and the devil will do this. He'll, lie, he'll give a little truth and a little lie, and then you're like, well, it kind of sounds good, but no, it's, it's lie from the pit of hell. It's, 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 it's candy-coated, but it's, it's, it's deadly with poison. And that's what he loves to do. And, and then notice how the devil does this through the serpent. He, he says, you, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. You know, it's like saying God, anything God has is pleasurable. You know, it's, it's you know, wrong. It's, it's sinful. He's saying God's not fun. And anything fun is not God. You know, and you've maybe heard that before. Maybe you grew up in a, a religious home and you've met religious people. The most, more, more religious the people I've met, the more unhappy those people are. Have you noticed that? I mean, not everybody's that way. But, you know, people say, well, we really love Jesus. Well, can you, can you let your face show it a little bit? I mean, it's just, I'm amazed. Like, what it is is because there's this lie that's there. And yet you think of so many wonderful, fulfilling things that God lets us just have a wonderful a garden on earth that God blesses us with. We, we think of sexuality, and we think in the context of sanctity marriage, it's a wonderful thing, right? And yet it's exploited, and, and, and it's, it's perverted and everything, and yet Satan so weaves himself in the mix of a lie and the truth that's going on, and really eroding the, the understanding of the goodness of God. God, his perfect wisdom, gives us limits to protect us, to provide for us, to experience not only being holy, but to be healthy. And in our nature, there is this desire to, for it, but we, what we find ourselves is we, we, what we can't touch is entices us a little bit, doesn't it? We've all experienced, I remember as a kid, or maybe you, you did, you, you, you know, as a parent, you bake cookies, moms typically maybe bake some cookies, and you say to your kids, you can eat anything in the house, okay? You can have anything in the fridge, anything in the pantry, but you can't eat these cookies, okay? They're, they're for the bake sale or whatever it is. I'm leaving. I'll come back. Remember, don't touch those cookies. And we all smell. I mean, she's, tor she's torturous, right? We cook these cookies. We smell these cookies. We can't eat any cookies. And then, you know, you're, you know she's gone, and, and then, you know, then your kid or your, you, your dad with kids, and the kids are looking, Dad, can we have a cookie? And mom said, you can't. And then like, well, then there's, gosh, I want a cookie too. And then, you know, and then their cookies are there. And then like, they're like, I'm going to take a cookie. I'm like, I wouldn't take a cookie. I wouldn't do it. And then you're like, because kids, I've learned this before. When you take a cookie, there's a ring where the cookie was. She's going to know, you know, but we're dumb kids, don't we? And we don't want to deal with the consequences. We're all tempted that and so here, Satan kind of does the same thing. He's, he, he says this, there's not really any consequences. He says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. 
Well, God said you would die. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. We rationalize sin all the time, don't we? It's one little lie. It's, it's, it's just a little embellishment. I mean, they're not going to miss one little cookie or maybe just a little money out of the till. I mean, the company makes so much money. I mean, we can just, you know, I mean, we, we can, it's one hour lunch. I mean, we could go an extra 15 minutes. The boss understands. I mean, that's kind of a tax write-off. It kind of works. I mean, there's, you know, it's kind of, I'm not really, it's a flirt. I'm not really having a fair. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Well, yeah, I mean, the texting, are, it's getting a little bit, you know, but, you know, it's not a bit, you know, we're just friends. It's just joking. It's not that big a thing. All of a sudden, we get caught up, and there's this warning. Can I, can I warn us, and myself included? And because none of us are, you know, none of us are um, bulletproof of this, is that sin, it will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It, it, will, it will keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay, and it's going to cost you more, more than you ever, ever thought you would have that's what it does, and deeper and deeper, what it's doing is eroding the goodness of God, this idea that God is holding out on you, and he doesn't have the best in mind for you. In fact, there's even maybe a little competition, so this eroding of trust is this, and when, and he's, when the enemy comes along and says, did God really say, did he? Which, which leads to this, and this doubt of God's goodness it leads to this, a desire to be your own God. Desire to be your own God. Now, when you hear that, you're like, no way. That's a big job. I, um, I, I, you know, I would never want to be my own God. I mean, that's crazy, you know. I, 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 I can't imagine that would, you know. No, we do that. We, we act like we do. We act like we're big shots at times. We've got it figured out, and there's a freedom we think we have, and we really don't. And so Satan comes along and tempted Eve. Look at what he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan's coming along, and he's saying, listen, what happens is, God is holding out on you, because you know what? He's a little insecure. Like, if you end up getting this, guess what? You're going to be, like, equal to him, and that's going to be a problem for you. You know, he's, you're going you're gonna to be competing with him. Like, we never would think that, but that's what happens. We take life in our own hands. We think we got this figured out. This is the way to do it. And somehow we miss what sin is. Sin isn't just wrongdoing. Sin is actually treason. It, it, it's, it's attempting to, a, a coup to dethrone God in the, where he fully has place, fully wants place in our, in our hearts. And, and knowing this is, is, is realizing that we're, that's messed up to think that we're in control of our life completely and we don't need him. Now, we might pray and we might act like at times we, we say, we voice it, but many times we can be kind of practical atheists and we just go through our week and do what we think we're going to do and throw a prayer here and have a worship song here and read a scripture here and really not in, in, in the, 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 the lordship of Jesus that we're really experiencing in our life. And you're, you know that's messed up. You know that's all jacked up. You know that where you're at because it brings instruction, and yet you're still kind of fighting to be on the throne. Some of you have gone through 12 steps. How many know you can't do the 11 steps at all until you do it the first step? Is <laughs> admitting you are out of, your life is unmanageable, and that you are needing of, of God himself. And so uh, here we are, you know, taking our life in our own hands. That's 
Eve does. This is what she does. It says, when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it its fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. This, the verses here, it's, it's interesting because Eve is tempted, but it's, it's, it's Adam who would receive the command not to eat of the, of the tree. Do you notice that? What happened? The man messed up. He did not give warning, and here she was subject. He was supposed to, here she's trying to protect the inside of him, and she didn't, he didn't protect the outside. And here it is, and here it what happens. What happens is these, these types of temptations, it was giving in to the lust of the flesh. It, 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 it was something she wanted. She, it was appealing to her. And, and there's so much in her life that we look at in this lust, this, this lust of the flesh that we, we need it, something we have to have in our life. It was the lust of the eye. It looked pleasurable to her. You've heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. Like, they, I didn't think I needed that until my neighbor got that. Now that looks appealing, you know? The temptation to be your own God, what that you would be like him, and that this pride of life. And so it's the lust of the, it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. By the way, Jesus in the temptation, and when he's tempted in the desert, overcame all three of those as a model to us. And yet they gave in to it at that moment, which leads to this, a desire to save yourself. A desire to save yourself. The, the, the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. What's interesting here is they literally covered their you-know-whats when they sinned. They literally had, in their own mind, had to bring provision for themselves to compensate for this massive sin they did. And we, we can do that a lot. We try to fix ourselves. We mess up, and then we cover ourselves, and we, we cover it up, and we, 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 we push it under the rug, or we, 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 we put another lie on top of it, and we do different things. We don't want to be known for what we've done, and we try to be our own boss. And this is really kind of the first man-made religion, religious system. They were trying to fix their brokenness by covering their own sin, and it, it didn't work. And so even in the state of brokenness, this massive sin, yeah, here's so, po so powerful. What I love about the story. In fact, the best part for me is in the creation story is this. This is the first encounter that God is having with them after they sin. This is what it says. It's then, then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God who's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What was happening? It's a beautiful picture here. God Almighty is going, even though he knew what they did, even though what they, 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 they sinned and they blew it, what is God doing? He's looking for man and, and woman. He's, he's searching out for them. I don't know about you, how that speaks to you, but if you're in your life and you're going, man, if I blew it, and man, God, God's going to get me. Guess what? God, in the midst of your pain, your brokenness, and your screw-up, God's saying, I still want to find you. I still want relationship with you. I hope that speaks to you. But well, what did they do? Well, we, we learned that decisions determine our de destination. Adam and Eve, when they sin. They, they ran. Verse 8, it says, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What, what are they doing? They felt shame, and so they, they not only separate, I mean, they, they, they basically ran, and they, they, they hid. I mean, they even hid, in some ways, they hid from one another as we look at this. 
Shame will do that. Shame twists the truth. It creates this false narrative that we screwed up and there's no returning back and we can, we can wallow in this place. But here's what I love about verse 9. Here's what's so powerful about it that, that, that this is so beautiful is that God comes and searches ask for him, after him and asks the question. And the question is not what have you done, God asks this question that's so beautiful. He, he just asks them the, the question, where are you? Where are you? That's what he asks them. He's going to get to what, you, what you've done here in a moment, right? We've got to deal with it. He loves us enough not to leave us in place of brokenness. But where are you? What a beautiful expression of God's grace in the midst of this. He's pursuing them. He wants to deal with what needs to be dealt with, but he starts with the relationship first. What a model for all of us as a parent, as, as a boss, as a place. And yeah, we need to deal with, and there's a discipline that's involved, but we start with the relationship first. Where are you? Where are you? Not even like, where are you hiding in the bushes, but where are you? Where, where are you? I love how that speaks to us. And they answer. This is what they answer. I, I heard you, you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. What was happening? He's already identifying his shame and his brokenness and his and, and exposure. And so he hid. And that's what we do when, when, we, when we, we find a shame. But we'll get exposed at one point. And then what does shame turn to? It turns to, turns to blame. For after that... He asks, have you eaten? Here it comes the truth from the tree that I command you not to eat from. Here's his response. Man says, I did it. I screwed up. I messed up. It's over. It's all on me. Nope. Nope. Man says, the woman you put me here with, she gave me something to eat, some of the fruit in the tree, and I ate it. Remember, God told Adam, don't eat from it. Hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, good. Did you get any, how did, did you talk to anybody? No. Well, what, well how did, it was fine. No, nothing to, you know, do you know, good. He failed to communicate. Oh, by the way, I had a conversation with God Almighty. And you know that one tree that looks really, really good? We're not supposed to eat from that. Nowhere do we see that pass on that Adam did. He, 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 and, and here she was left hanging. And then he blames her. Then he throws her under the bus. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Well, Eve goes and confronts him with blame. She passes it on. The serpent deceived me and I ate it, right? The devil made me do it. Maybe the dog ate my homework. Or nowadays, the dog ate my laptop or whatever, right? There, there, there's... And we do this in our culture, blame, blame, blame. We call it cancel culture. Those people are there. They're, we cut them off. We, we scorch them from the face of the earth. We live in this world of this defense mechanism. If I can blame a bunch of other people, then, I, then I'm no one, I won't be exposed in the first place. And God loves us and teaches us and disciplines us because he, he, he cares for us, but he wants us to learn from it, and there's going to be consequences. This blame and shame led to banishment from the garden this perfect place on earth, and this curse of mankind, as you read in the end of Genesis 3, happens. And even this bond of oneness in the flesh is, is broken apart, and even with and God himself. And the first children of the earth, 
In chapter 4, when you read it this week, you know what happened. The two first brothers that Cain kills his brother Abel. And this is interesting about the Cain curses, a curse of Cain that ends up really being fulfilled in so many much of humanity. It says this, no longer, God says, will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you'll be homeless wanderer on the earth. I mean, you know, sin never satisfied. It causes us to wander for more. Why? Because dis- our decision determines our destination. Losses is not just a location. It's a, it's a condition of our heart. And here we are in the state of losses is where we're at. And yet, there's, a look, there's just this glimmer of hope. And there's a, in Genesis 3.15, it's the first prophetic utterance. It's almost God gives a wink to the hope that's ahead. And he says this, amidst of this curse, he says, I'll put amenity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and, and, and he shall bruise your heel, and you shall bruise his heel. It's a reference of the Savior being born, the Savior being crucified one day, that there will be a, there'll be a, a, a demolish of the demonic, of, of the enemy. And it's this, the Bible is speaking ahead. And I love the Bible, how there's a thread of Jesus all the way through it of this account but God even at this moment expresses what does he do in the midst of the banishment and the discipline God still provides and look at what it says in 321 the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them here God is the one God is the one that does the first killing it's the first killing that's recorded in, in Scripture, and God is the one that does it, provides these animal skins to cover the skin of mankind, of their nakedness, but really covering their sin for their life as a covering that ultimately will be fulfilled. You know, coming this week, the Jewish people will be celebrating Yom Kippur. It's the, it's the, it's the one day of the year where the, the high priest goes in the Holy of Holies in honor to bring the sacrifice to the people. Jesus is not needed to be done any longer because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the high priest that brought himself when he, he died on the cross once and for all. That Jesus, it was all prophetic leading up to this, this place. And as as our team comes, as we close this morning, I want you to think about, I'm just ask this question, where are you? Where are you in this? Where are you in this of what God's providing, what he's done? And I, I just think about, I was thinking about this week how God's really into gardens. You notice that? We've got the Garden of Eden, and then we've got the Garden of Gethsemane. Here, Jesus is coming up to this end of his life, and He's faced with a choice in the garden. Just like Adam and Eve were faced the choice, Jesus is faced. Well, Paul in Romans says that that's, Jesus is the second Adam. And the first Adam messed up. Second Adam comes along, and, and, and Jesus has his choice, though, as well in a garden. Do I, do I go God's way, or do I go my own way? Because he was human as well as God, and he wrestled with this, Lord, if there's a way, if there's a way, if you could take this cup from me, if not my will, Lord, yours be done. And he chose God's way and brought redemption. But it's interesting, even in the garden, his disciples, he basically asked them, where are you? Where, where, where are, how come you're not with me? Can't you pray with me? And they even, they, they bailed on him as humanity bails because it can't save itself. And yet Jesus then ultimately went to the cross. And then the third day he rose again, as we know, in a garden tomb. And one of his faithful followers is coming to the tomb and 
and she's weeping and crying and she sees the empty tomb and wondering what had happened and she has a conversation which, with a gardener she thought it was a gardener she said, Lord, are they, I don't, they, they took, our, they took our, our Lord and we don't know where they put him and then the gardener aka Jesus says Mary at this moment there's this beautiful place of this garden connection where Jesus is saying here I am as we go to prayer this morning where are you like I don't I don't I don't know it's it's not about location it's not like a star on a map it's where are you where are you Jesus is asking the same question right here all that he's done all he's accomplished there's nothing you can do you can't be God there's nothing you can earn God has proven his goodness he's proven his faithfulness he accomplished everything he accomplished and now you're at this place God is asking you this question where are you but here's the beautiful thing about it Jesus answers us with this here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice opens the door I'll come in with him and he with me. Done. We have to, it's this invitation. Wherever you are, Jesus says, here I am. Your decisions will determine your destination. Where it all begins is right here. Where it all begins is right here. Will you pray with me? Sometimes it's true. Sometimes the distance makes the heart grow grow weary, tired. Distance leads to shame and brokenness and depression. Lord, we're so grateful that the distance isn't geographic. The distance is it's just relationship Lord we all know what it feels like to live with people that we're close to physically but still miles away and I just sense this morning that there's some here that are in proximity of you but they're not in close relationship with you, Lord you haven't moved you're, 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 you are who you are and you're giving us this invitation where you say here I am we don't have to look on a map. We don't have to put GPS coordinates in anywhere. Where you are is right here. And where we are right is right here. But we are just only a prayer away. We're just only a, a prayer surrender, a prayer confession, a, a moment where we can say, Lord, I, I want to get right with you. I want to be in right relationship with you. And so this morning, if you're here and, and, and you say that God's distant, that, that you've, you've moved, you would admit you moved, uh, you need to come to the conclusion that God's good, that he has the best, he did everything for you uh, through the cross and through the resurrection. You don't need anything else from God. He's provided it all. Would you be willing to admit, Lord, I've sinned. 
I have, I have wronged you. I have, I have committed treason because I tried to do it on my own again and again. And I, and I know it's yours. So maybe that's you right now. You would say, God, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up being the boss of my life. I, I'm going to try not to be Lord again. I'm not going to try to take my life in my own hands any longer. I'm not going to try to compensate for my weaknesses and my struggles. Lord, I want to confess them to you, Jesus, and open the door again to relationship with you. Maybe you're here and that would be your first time. Maybe you're watching on your first time. All you need to do is say, Jesus, be my Lord of my life. And that when you do that, you open the door that he says, I want to come in. I want to be with you. Not just in a location, but in, in right in a condition of our own hearts. He wants to live. God Almighty, the one that, that created all, the one that walked in the cool of the day, the one that's seeking after us, and yes, wants to deal with our sin and dealt with our sin on the cross for us, now says, here I am. I'm knocking on your heart. Let me come in and be with you. God, I pray that we would do it now if we haven't, Lord, we say yes to that. But Lord, may we say yes to the knocking every single day, that we would welcome you in our morning, that we would welcome you in our drive, that we'd welcome you in our lunchtime, we'd welcome you in our work time, we'd welcome you when we're taking a walk, when we're, when we're caring for our kids and we're, 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 we're doing what we're doing, Lord, that we would not miss these moments of opportunities of relationship with you. Where we are is where you are. You want to be with us. It's so simple, Lord. May we not miss it. God, may it empower us. May it strengthen us as we walk this out and we encourage others toward you as well. They're only a prayer away. May we live this out. This week, we pray where it all began, Lord, with you, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I invite you to stand as we wrap up here and, and just take this moment. Let, it, let this message kind of marinate with you a little bit more as we, as we sing this and declare it to the Lord. If you need any prayer, we're here to do that. And I think, Dave, thank you for this opportunity this coming Saturday. I think it's a wonderful way. We're, we're talking about creation, and we love creation, what God's done. Let's take care of it. Let's take care of our community. So just sign up. Maybe you can't do three hours, maybe an hour or two. Stop by in the back. Dave will be back there. Marty will be back there and, and interact with you on that great opportunity this next Saturday. Make sure you take a booklet on the way out if you haven't for our Genesis series. Have a great day. God bless you. Let's sing together.